Ohio, ready for some quick mental health facts? Let's go. Nearly 2 million Ohioans live with a mental health condition. In the U.S., more than 50% of people will be diagnosed with a mental illness in their lifetime. Depression is a leading cause of disability worldwide. So why are some of us still stigmatizing people living with a mental health condition when we know all of this? Let's listen to the facts and beat the stigma. Ohio, challenge what you know about mental health at beatthestigma.org. You are listening to the One Good Scare podcast with Natalie Zamora and Max Mallow. Hey everyone, welcome back to the One Good Scare podcast. I'm Natalie Zamora and I'm joined here with my co-host Max Mallow and we're in our third week of our Horror March Madness. Last week, The Walking Dead came out victorious for our zombie franchises and now we're getting into arguably the hardest one, supernatural horror movies. Yeah, first off, it is very hard for us to decide which eight movies to put in this category. Some of them, you could argue, aren't even supernatural movies. But I think we've got, regardless, a, a great list of eight movies here that'll be really fun to break down and talk about. Um, and we'll see who advances to meet the Halloween franchise and the Walking Dead franchise from this category. And then, of course, last week or next week is our final category, which is monster movies. And then we'll have our final four. Now, obviously, it's April already, but March Madness is still going on. And March, April Madness just isn't as catchy. So <laughs> don't uh, don't crucify us over that. Uh, so yeah, let's get into our weekly hard news roundup real quick before we get into uh, this week's bracket. And as per usual, Natalie has scoured the internet looking for everything you need to know in terms of horror news. And it's been a slow week. So yeah. there's only one piece of news, but it happened right before we were about to record the podcast. And there's a lot we can talk about this since there's not much else going on we can really dive into this and mm-hmm. it's the trailer for the new saw movie spiral yeah and i think this movie has it's it's highly anticipated for us i think um you know the saw franchise really fell off in the later installments but this new one is starring chris rock and samuel L. jackson um and the director actually directed the first four saw movies so um, directing four, not the first four, because um, James wanted the first one. Um, but so there's, you know, a Saw franchise alum in there with two major actors who we both are fans of. I think everyone is a fan of Chris Rock and or Samuel L. Jackson. Um, and this is, you know, something interesting. It's not the same old Jigsaw story. So I'm excited for it. And I was excited to see the trailer and it looks good. Yeah, for those who don't know, the movie <clears throat> excuse me, um, started to be filmed under the working title of The Organ Donor, and no one really knew what it was about, but once reports came out that Chris Rock was working on a Saw project, everyone was like, okay, how is one of the greatest comedians of our generation going to revive interest in the Saw franchise? Because like you said, mm-hmm. it became super stale, it became yeah. torture porn for torture porn's sake, and it got away from what made the first movie so amazing. Now, when you attach Samuel L. Jackson, who's one of my favorite actors in one of my favorite movies of all time, Pulp Fiction. Um, no, Snakes on a Plane. <laughs> uh, <laughs> obviously, it's Pulp Fiction. Uh, you know, our interest was uh, immediately peaked. We were like, okay, whatever they're going to do, let's see what happens. It got delayed because of COVID, of course. But 
the new trailer gives off a vibe that ha- ma- like makes me hopeful for this movie because it seems like there's going to be the gore aspect of it, of course, mm-hmm. but the overall tone of it, like it take aside from uh, Jigsaw, the last one that came out, all very dark, grainy movies, mm-hmm. a lot of like walking in corridors and warehouses and stuff like this. Um, this movie seems to take place in like a open cityscape, which is really nice. Obviously, Jigsaw kind of had that too, but that movie's trash. Um, so I'm not choosing to acknowledge it right now. And it seems like it's going to be like a cop thriller tied mm-hmm. into the whole mystery of a jigsaw copycat torturing people and ripping off their arms and legs and cutting their faces open <laughs> and stuff like that. Yeah, I agree. I got that same vibe too, that it's going to be more of like an action thriller, which I appreciate. Like, of course, I love horror. I would put horror in front of action just personally um, as a genre. But like you said, like the last few Saw movies are just kind of all the same. It's like dark, it's the same plot, and it's just kind of boring. So this taking on more of like a, just like an action, more things are happening. You're probably going to be on the edge of your seat more. Um, I'm here for it. I think it's what the franchise needs. Yeah. And there's going to be a little bit of like, okay, Chris Rock is so funny (laughs) as a comedian. And he's Mm -hmm. a great actor. And it's just like, I'm going to need to put myself in a mind state to be able to just be like, all right, Chris Rock is playing a very serious role in a movie where he could have himself completely mutilated by some kind of serial killer. I need to get myself in that mindset and not just think like Chris Rock, the hilarious comedian I grew up watching. Um, It seems like, uh, well, it doesn't seem like it it actually is. Uh, Sam Jackson is his father and is like a police chief. Um, So we'll see how that works into it. The end of the trailer has Samuel L. Jackson tied up in some kind of jigsaw trap which, mm-hmm. like, if Sam Jackson gets killed in, like, some torture device, that's going to be amazing. <clears throat> yeah, that the end of the trailer really got me, too. I was like, ooh, okay, we're really going there. Who knows what the outcome of that scene is going to be, but it made me excited. Do you think there's going to be any comedy in this? Like, of course, many horror movies, even if it is a straight-up horror and not a comedy horror, there's still, you know, the comedic moments, just, like, the lighthearted scenes um, I didn't see any of that in this trailer, and I feel like a lot of times they kind of play that up in the trailer just to, you know, get some laughs while people are watching the first look at it. But I didn't see any type of comedy. Yeah, it's a very dark movie, which I appreciate for the trailer. The song that plays in like the second half of it from Twenty One Savage, Twenty One Savage, and, uh, and Slaughter Gang. They're credited at the end of the trailer uh, with this new single, Spiral, that plays over it. Um, it's a like, banger. Yeah, I love the vibe that it gives off with like the creepy, like cutting of the the song and everything like that. And like it seems like uh, the whole introductory scene to Sam Jackson in the movie will be Chris Rock coming in his apartment, and who knows if the song will be playing in the background, but it is in the trailer. <laughs> and I'm like. I was like, I don't know what's about to happen, right? It's either going to be some kind of jump scare with a person in a pig mask or something. But he walks in and Sam Jackson's just like, what's up, dude? And I'm like, <laughs> like, okay, this is like awesome. Like, It's for a movie franchise that I kind of detest outside of yeah. one or two films. Um, this has me really interested. If they, they need to do 
character building. Whether, like you said, they mm-hmm. do that in possibly like a comedic way, I'll be interested because they're going for like a copycat type vibe here, which is good because we don't need yeah. the apprentice of the apprentice who was actually the apprentice <laughs> who was on the apprentice. Like we don't need any of that. Oh God, it's so it's so convoluted. We yeah. We, this whole new copycat killer. The voice is super creepy. I really like mm-hmm. the the jigsaw voice that they're using for this. Um, and yeah, I have a lot of high hopes for this movie. It comes out in a month in theaters. I don't know if we're going to be able to see it. Obviously there's questions about whenever we get vaccinated, though New York is moving along pretty quickly. Yeah. Um, I still don't know if I'll go sit in a theater. I know. When we were talking about this, we were like, Oh crap, the trailer. And the first thing you said was, I really wish it was on HBO max. And I was like, yeah, yeah. Yeah, exactly. It's like it's coming out May fifth or May fourteenth now, and it's like that is next month. Like you know, a lot could happen as far as vaccines and everything like that. But I can't imagine I'm going to go to the theater to see this. Like I really wish it would just be conveniently for free somewhere because I'm probably going to end up watching it on video on demand for twenty bucks. Yeah, exactly. I I, I think it would be fun to do it as a, a review as well, if we're able to mm-hmm. get it in some fashion like that. Just because, obviously, safety comes first in terms before, you know, I guess, raising the box office numbers of Spiral. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, you know, obviously, I hope it does well at the box office. Just depends on, you know, safety and, and COVID and everything going on. It was supposed to come out last May. Mm-hmm. Um, but like we mentioned, it was delayed. So, I'm... I'm really interested in this movie. I just don't want it to be so focused on just like a, a minor story beat. Some guy burns alive from acid or something. Tiny story <laughs> beat. Guy gets run over by a train or something. Yeah. Like, I just don't need that for these movies now. I want some actual like exposition and character building and world building because while we do have all those Saw movies and this is like taking place in the in the jigsaw world of course and it has the subtitle mm-hmm. from the book of saw so it's some some world where the characters have been affected by the jigsaw killings um and obviously uh cops are a huge part of the saw movies um in terms of following the storylines and the main characters that we have in in, in uh, a lot of the movies so just make a movie don't make a torture porn <laughs> like montage yeah yeah i completely agree with you um i think like we've said the saw franchise just just gotten stale and that we need an actual good story and i think we can get it from these two actors i hope i really hope yeah like if i if i was like thinking like critically i was like okay i don't think chris rock and samuel jackson would do a saw movie if they thought it was bad Mm -hmm. right like two very high profile people in the celebrity world. Uh, Mm -hmm. And I was like, okay, there's no way that there's like Chris Rock is going to walk around and just watch people get cut up. Like however the fuck they're going to die in these jigsaw traps. And Sam Jackson definitely isn't going to be just a side character who gets killed off in a jigsaw (laughs) trap. So that, that gives me high hopes for it. And also, uh, I only realized this because of the comments on the YouTube video. Um, Chris mm-hmm. Ramsey, who's one of my favorite YouTubers, who uh, makes content about solving puzzles, which is super interesting. Uh, he just buys pu- these crazy puzzles and just completes them, and it's awesome. Um, mm-hmm. He's apparently going to be a jigsaw victim or 
So I'm down. He was <laughs> wow, like, that's great. He commented. He was like 204. It was like, ah, that's me. And I paused and it's just somebody screaming on a train track. I was like, oh, he's dead. He's so dead. That's hilarious. So, yeah, I don't know. There's this like there's pig masks. There's there's jigsaw spirals everywhere. So it definitely feels like a Saw movie. Yeah, um, it does. But it's not Halloween. So that doesn't mean it's Saw. <laughs> that's, a, that's a fun reference. But yeah, Spiral, I think we've talked about enough about this movie. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We have high hopes. It could disappoint. Like, we're not saying it's a guaranteed banger, but we have hopes. Yeah, a lot of things done right on the surface <laughs> right now. Like, yeah, Chris so Rock, far, so good. Sam Jackson, original story, 21 Savage <laughs> single playing over the back of the trailer. All right, I'm there. Just don't lose me in the first 20 minutes of the movie. Um, Agreed. <laughs> Yeah, uh, May 14th, you can check it out in theaters if it's safe or however else it becomes available on demand. Um, just keep in mind, of course, safety first. But yeah, that's your weekly Horror News Roundup. Not much going on. We can now get into our March Madness episode, which is good because we've been kind of crunched for time when it comes yeah. to breaking down these these matchups in some of the episodes. So a uh, quick rundown for anyone who hasn't watched our first two episodes. And if you're watching the third one and you haven't watched the first two, probably should go listen to those two first <laughs> but we're doing a, f- a four-week series on horror movies in a march madness ncaa basketball tournament style bracket obviously everyone loves to do brackets when it comes to fandoms and characters and tv shows um and everything in between during during this time of the year because of the the famous college basketball tournament so to to do our bracket we did four quadrants of 32 teams so or sorry, 32 teams total broken down into four quadrants. Um, instead of doing 64 like a normal March Madness tournament, just way too many movies, not enough time in the day, honestly. So <laughs> we, we made the conscious decision that if we do the eight teams, some people might get pissed off if we don't include their favorite movie in a category or something like that. So mm-hmm. um, the the franchises that we decided to break in each quadrant into, uh, or categories for each quadrant, are slashers, zombies, supernatural movies and monster movies for arguably the four biggest horror genres in the world. And then we did eight teams, uh, eight movies for each category and they're all franchises. So they're not, in some cases there's one movie in it. If it's a really, really big movie, but we tried to keep all the big ones together. And remember if your favorite movie isn't in it, we're sorry, this is our bracket. Get over it. Now, yeah. do you want to explain why, how we got the matchups? <laughs> how we got them? Yeah, my little crazy oh. <laughs> for, formula for for ter- determining this. No, you okay. can explain it. Okay, thanks. <laughs> I know, I know why you did it and how you did it, but I, it wasn't my intent. You have the passion behind it. Yeah, well, I was trying to make this <laughs> as unbiased as possible because. If you if we did a bracket like this and you and I just broke it down, it'd be very obvious, yeah, who won and why because they're probably our favorite movies. Um, yes. So we did some seating to kind of avoid bias. Now some bias still slips through, but we we put all the franchises per category into random.org into a list, and I randomized the list eighty two times. Now you'll ask why did I do that? Well, it's because <laughs> this year is the eighty second March Madness tournament. But it's technically the 81st because last year's didn't happen because of COVID. So, again, if you're upset about that, get over it. Uh, and if you missed the, pa- the first two episodes, a quick recap on who our champions are in our Final Four already. You have, for the slasher category, Halloween, 
And for the Zambies, we got the Walking Dead franchise. So Supernatural will be a lot of fun. I'm going to enjoy talking about a lot of these movies. Yeah, me too. I think this is the one that we kind of feel the most passionate about only because there are so many different options that, that we love. Yeah. And when it comes to Supernatural, I went to our coworker, Noma. I was like, hey, what do you think of these movies? Anything we missed or you know should be taken off the list? He was like, oh, no. what do you define as Supernatural? And I was like, you know, it's a good point. <laughs> it's open to interpretation. <laughs> yeah. I usually just think like ghosts. Or like this is what I was telling you about one of the one of the franchises. I was like, well, ghosts or spooky stuff going on with no explanation. <laughs> yeah, like he asked and I answered uh ghosts, paranormal shit, hauntings. Yeah. Paranormal. Yeah. I- <laughs> Ghosts, paranormal shit, hauntings. I don't know. It's very open to interpretation. That was my definition of supernatural. Now, there's definitely a real definition of the word supernatural, but that's ours. So if you're upset upset about it for the last time, I'll say it. Get over it. (laughs) Yeah, I agree. I think you you can categorize all of these into supernatural for sure. Definitely. And without further ado, let's get into our matchup. So the number one seed, thanks to the randomization is the Exorcist franchise taking on the number eight seed, the Insidious franchise. We have a, a franchise I just called Praise Be Ari Aster <laughs> because I had to put Hereditary somewhere on there and it felt weird including Hereditary but not including Midsummer. So Praise mm-hmm. Be Ari Aster. Um, that's the four seed taking on the number five seed, the Paranormal Activity franchise. Then the number three seed is Evil Dead taking on the number six seed, what I now know is actually called the Conjuring Universe, officially. Mm. So, like the MCU, we have the the TCU. Um, <laughs> and the final matchup will be the number two seed, Final Destination, taking on uh, the number seven seed, which is, again, I couldn't think of a... A catchy. Yeah, I couldn't think of a catchy name for this. It's The Shining and Doctor Sleep, because The Shining is one of the best psychological supernatural horror movies of all time, and mm-hmm. Doctor Sleep is the sequel. And it would be weird including The Shining and not talking about Doctor Sleep as well. So yeah, those are our matchups. And it's going to be interesting to see who comes out on top because the seating is all over the place. Yeah, I really am not sure. Like all of these franchises or movies have a special place in my heart for one reason or another. Could be because they're just guilty pleasure and not actually good. But in any case, this is going to get personal. Oh, wow. (laughs) Natalie woke up and chose violence today. (laughs) Basically. Yeah, it's it's also strange because, like, you have the Ari Aster movies, which are two completely separate films and are very recent. And then you have something like The Conjuring, which has so many franchise entries. Mm -hmm. And they're all over the place because they're just one giant universe. So it'll be really interesting to dive into each matchup. So any early favorites? Who do you have as a... Who's who's your like your your favorite to win? Who's your dark horse? Hmm, I think it, the Evil Dead franchise might be up there. I think that one will will. I don't know if it'll win the entire thing, but it'll make it far. Also, Final Destination might because I know you love those movies. They're guilty pleasures for mine, but as a franchise, not too shabby. That could work. I think this is going to be one of those, again, like the flat, the slashers where the original of one is just a classic and amazing, but then the rest are not so good. 
speaking of the exorcist is basically what I'm saying. So it'll be interesting. I think there might be some unexpected um, victories here. Yeah. I, like I said, I do love Final Destination. I think it's the only franchise. Well, I guess Resident Evil as well that we talked last week with, with the zombies. I'm able to detract my from <laughs> personal from just being objectively just critical of how crap that those movies are. Yeah. Yeah. I'm with you. I, I don't know. I love just looking at the list now. Like I love all of them. So it's going to get interesting. Yeah. Um, there are some okay. tough ones that didn't make the list. Like Rosemary's baby is a very popular supernatural movie. Um, mm-hmm. I'd say the ring and like, yeah, all the J horror movies could probably get on here, like The Grudge and stuff. The like Grudge, that. yeah. It's just, yeah. I don't know if I could have justified taking any of these movies off for some of those. Like, Hereditary needs to be on there. It's like the supernatural horror movie of like the last ten years, and yeah, the I modern put, classic. Yeah, I put Evil Dead and Final Destination on there because I love those movies, and those are two of my favorite <laughs> horror movies of all time. So. No bias slipping through. <laughs> Not at all. Okay, let's get into our first matchup here. But before we do that, let's take our first break and we'll be right back. Okay, The Exorcist. I'm going to come out and just say here I've only seen the first original movie. Okay, cool. Because I'm glad you said that. <laughs> because same. <laughs> um yeah, our number one seed is only for for five franchise entries that it has and a TV show. We've only seen the first one. So I started I watched some of the TV show and I didn't like it. So oh, I really? stopped watching it, yeah. It had some pretty good reviews on Rotten Tomatoes. I just never dove into I think it was cable. Was it on like Fox or something like that? Yeah, it it might have been I don't know if it was Fox or like TBS, TNT. It was on cable. Yeah, one of those cable television shows. Hmm. How I miss the days of cable. Uh, yeah, anyway, let's get into The Exorcist. Our number one seed, it has five franchise entries and the, the TV show as well. We'll kind of be focusing on the movies unless we talk about TV shows. And then again, it's, it's our rules, it's our bracket. Um, yeah. The first one came out in 1973, one of the best horror movies of all time. And just a testament to how popular a horror movie can be when done with a critical like film look at it, you know, it's not just mm-hmm. making like a scary movie with jump scares talking about like a gripping story with believable characters. And on yeah. top of it, that believable horror where it's something like an exorcism and possession with a demon that really gets under people's skin, especially religious folk. Um, yeah. It just, it just gets you. Yeah. I love the original. It's such a classic. I mean, I, my mom would always talk about it because it was another one of those movies where she wasn't allowed to watch it growing up and then she did and then she had nightmares and then like she still cannot watch it to this day and she's told me like I know that compared to movies now it's like silly like it's not that scary but she's like I'm discard I can never watch it and I feel like just a movie like that that has such like cultural relevance and you know influence on so many movies to come like it's it's one of the all timers and I watched it this past Halloween and it's still so good. Even though, you know, some of the effects are, you know, silly. It's like, it doesn't matter. You're taken back into the time and it's just such a good story and amazing acting too, that I love this one. Yeah. And it was 
also groundbreaking for the fact that it won an Oscar uh, for mm-hmm. best screenplay uh, based on material from another medium. Uh, what a word jargon of a category. I know. It's um, like basically it was based on a book. And yeah. there you go. <laughs> um, it also <laughs> won a couple Golden Globes as well. It actually won best motion picture in the drama category. And then Linda Blair, William Friedkin, and William Peter Blatty won Golden Globes as well for best supporting actress, director, and screenplay respectively, which is groundbreaking for a horror movie at the time. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then also I went to DC two years ago and oh, steps. Yeah. I went to the stone steps uh, that are very famous for the movie. I don't want to spoil it. It's so old though. <laughs> Spoiling is think... so, it's so bad though. It's such a great movie. Okay. Maybe don't, but I know what you're saying. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, there are some steps in, in Georgetown. Go visit them. Yeah, <laughs> it it was cool to see like a um a, a little movie landmark. Um, yeah, that's awesome. I haven't done that, but I knew exactly what you were gonna say when you said DC. <laughs> yeah, the first thing I remember, I got back and I was like, "Yo, I went to the extra steps," and only you and Noam cared about it. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, that was fun. But yeah, 1973, the first one. Uh, the latest one came out in 2005. Uh, talking about the movies, of course, it's again. All over the place. You have the first three, uh, which are one, two, and three. Then you have Exorcist, the beginning, and then you have Dominion prequel to the Exorcist. So they've gone as many different angles as they can with this movie. But a sixth one is in development, which we've talked about before. And the the thing that has us excited for it is that David Gordon Green is attached to it, and mm-hmm. if he can revive the Halloween franchise. I'm really interested to see what he can do with the Exorcist franchise. Yeah. And I'm really, yeah, I'm really excited for it. It's the same route as what he did with Halloween. Um, the 2018 one is a direct sequel to the original. So his new Exorcist movie is going to be the same, a direct sequel to the original. Um, and how are we betting on the fact that it's going to be called the Exorcist? Oh yeah. He has to stay on brand. I'm down. If, Vegas has those odds open. I say we put our website <laughs> on it. Deal. I think he, he needs to stay on brand. If it's something else, it's just not going to make any sense. Yeah. It's uh, the nature of Hollywood really nowadays. <laughs> it, it's so low-hanging fruit, but some some money to be made if you could bet on that. Um, yeah. In terms of Rotten Tomato scores, uh, the highest obviously is the first one at 83%, and the lowest is the 2004 Exorcist the Beginning at 10%. Not the lowest of, that we've had so far yeah. in this bracket, but still pretty bad. Now, before any final thoughts on The Exorcist, before moving to Insidious, when I was doing research, if you guys have listened to the past two episodes, one part that we're talking about is how much money these movies have grossed at the box office worldwide. And for a franchise like The Exorcist, I discovered that they've grossed $666 million. Yikes. That's I'm scared. That's scary, but also like round of applause to hit that number. I mean, there's like five, eight, four thousand, whatever. There's some other numbers in there, but like it's six hundred sixty-six yeah. million. That is creepy. I love that. It's so so <laughs> spooky and gives like a little fun Easter egg, I guess, to the Exorcist franchise or a fun piece of trivia at the very least. Yeah. Um, but yeah, there are some very bad movies in this franchise. There was one scene that 
I've seen, but I haven't seen the movie, which is from the third movie, and it's titled on YouTube as the scariest horror movie scene of all time. <laughs> and it's just this still camera shot panning down a hallway in which some person with some large white gown comes out of nowhere mm. with a pair of scissors. <laughs> it's just this loud, like, screeching chalkboard sound. And then the scene ends. <laughs> It's a classic, like, cheap jump scare. Like, I would have, I told you before when you sent it to me, like, if I watched that in theaters, I would have jumped. Yeah. It was so loud. It's very loud. Uh, I just don't, I don't know. I don't yeah. see how that at the time would have, was called the scariest horror scene <laughs> of all time. Knowing now, there are some really <laughs> scary horror movie scenes. Yeah. I don't know. Don't agree with it. Yeah. So that's The Exorcist. Um, and it's taking on the Insidious franchise, where a franchise that is all over the place, to say the least. There have been four entries in the franchise. One, Chapter 2, Chapter 3. And the most recent one is called Insidious The Last Key. Uh, mm-hmm. But there are two future entries, apparently, in the works. And I say that with a question mark, because you know movies are in development in studios all the time. We just don't know if they're actually going into production or anything like that. Uh, the first one came out in 2010. It was a, I don't want to say landmark horror movie, but it was really, really popular when it came out. Yeah. It's just the, the vibe of it was different. I Lee Winnell uh, was the director. No. What, what is I think writer. And then James Wan was the director. Right. Obviously James. Good Wan. team. Yeah. Very good team. Lee Winnell saw uh, James Wan. The Conjuring Universe, the TCU, if you will. Um, and it was very much jump, random jump scares at every turn. The The characters were super spooky. Um, Patrick Wilson was great. Lynn Shea is amazing. And Rose Byrne is the, the mother of uh, the child who's being haunted. And it was just very, very creepy. Very hard movie for me to watch in my freshman <laughs> dorm room without covering my eyes. It was that... <laughs> Is that jumpy? Yeah, I love the first one. Like you said, it's like it definitely is like a huge. It was a huge moment in horror. Like I don't know if it'll. I'll say it's iconic by now because, of course, it's not that old. It came out twenty ten, but I mean, everyone, re- everyone really loved this movie, and me included. Um, great acting, great story. Like you said, like the vibe was very different, and I appreciated it. And I also really liked the second one too. Yeah, the second one's not so bad. By the by, chapter three and the last key, they lost me. I wasn't yeah, invest, me invested in it. Um, you know the the cliffhanger that the first one ends on really drew me into the second one. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I love Patrick Wilson as an actor, so that did, yeah, me too. Uh, I don't know if he's like criminally underrated or anything like that, but like I feel like he's not <laughs> talked about as much as as other people. Yeah, I feel like he's one of those actors that you'll see like a meme on Twitter, like everyone knows this guy, but they don't know his name or something like that. Oh, yeah. I saw that trending like a couple of days ago. And every- Kyle Chandler or whatever. Oh, Coach Taylor. Clear eyes, full hearts, can't lose. That's my guy. Yeah, um, but I agree. Like, I love Patrick Wilson, but I feel like if I brought his name up to like just really anyone, they would say like, who are you talking about? I would show a picture and they'd be like, oh. He looks familiar, but he's obviously not like a Brad Pitt or something. Yeah, they'd probably go like, that's the guy from uh, from Insidious or The Conjuring. Yeah. And I'll be like... His name. Yeah, The Conjuring. He's got a name. It's Patrick Wilson. Um, he was awesome. really good in the second one, too, because his storyline kind of 
took like the he was the one of the main characters in the first movie too but in this one like he gets possessed and it, he did a really good job i thought it was really creepy for sure um and then the last one uh or the latest one i should say came out in 2018 the last key again the stories have gone all over the place they kind of lost us but one interesting thing i did discover when it comes to these two potential works that are um being produced developed is that there's been talks and Jason Blum has been quoted saying that they wanted to do a crossover with the Sinister Universe. And the first Sinister movie is amazing. Yes. Now, what I didn't like about this quote is that oh God. there was a rumored working title that it was going to be called In Sinister. <laughs> and my God, people. <laughs> this is all news to me. I fully, fully support a crossover. Like you said, Sinister is so good. The second one was not so good, but like the universe is, it has potential. What is that name? I'm oh, sorry. Just, In Sinister? I can't. Like, what are we doing here? <laughs> oh, no. I just, just no. It's, we, we, just, <laughs> it's not a word. Yeah, it's like if we called ourselves like Madalie Malmora or something like that. It's like, <laughs> stop doing that. Like, my parents called themselves like. <laughs> Alyssa like seven years ago and I was like mom dad don't do that the Peter and Alyssa I was like don't I don't care if your friends who are adults joke about this it's like we're not doing that anymore and we're sure as hell not shipping the name in for a horror movie no way no chance it's like when people get married and they neither of them want to change their last name or like they can't decide so then they just come up with a new last name That's oh my god or in my case they just hyphenate my names and i'm like mom dad why'd you do that and they're like we couldn't decide and i was like yeah okay cool well i'm gonna decide now at the age of 13 um so yeah aside from crappy combined names aside um the Rotten Tomato scores aren't that high for this franchise. Uh, the first mm -hmm. one is at 66%, which is kind of low. I thought it would be higher. Yeah. And the lowest is the last one, the last key, um, at 33%. So very much in like the middling range there. And in terms of box office numbers, uh, almost $540 million worldwide. I'm sure that'll go up if two more movies come out. Mm -hmm. Now... I think this is really easy. I think The Exorcist has to advance no matter what, even though the movies after The Exorcist are really bad. Uh-huh. Yeah, it's a tough one because, like, okay, the first Insidious, really great. And then the second one was, like, pretty good. I enjoyed it. The other two, I watched them in theaters and couldn't even tell you what happened. Like, they were so not memorable at all. Like, just boring, not good, not creative. So that really takes a chunk out of like my grade for the t total score. So this might be one of those where it's like on the one, like on the other hand, the exorcist, the first movie just outweighs all four of insidious. Yeah. I think if this was like six years ago, if, if we mm -hmm. didn't get the last key, I think I'd be more inclined to argue more for insidious because it came out during our lifetime and we got to experience the hype. Yeah, in theaters and everything, yeah. Um, if David Gordon Green's Exorcist sequel is really good. That's true. There's potential for that. Yeah, I, that franchise will get a really major, like a big boost in popularity and people will go watch the original. Um, it's just that after the last key and after the fact that James Wan was like, all right, I'm going to go make a better movie universe now. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it's like Insidious was like the launching point for him to be like, okay, I've done this. Now I'm going to go make America's greatest horror movie of all time. And 
people will argue for the conjuring. It is that good. Um, <laughs> I think, I think it has to go to the exorcist. I don't know about you. Yeah, that makes sense. You don't have to put any more effort into swaying me. That makes sense. Okay, good. Cause I think if insidious one, <laughs> people might get really angry. Um, yeah. Insidious on its own or like the first two movies just aren't it. They're just not that as good. Yeah. They're so, good. They're good. Not as good. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so, the Exorcist advances, and the Exorcist franchise will meet up against our next matchup, which is very interesting. This is going to be really this is difficult. interesting. Yeah, it is the number four seed. I've now changed the title of this <laughs> entry from Praise Be Ari Aster to Ari Aster's World, uh, taking on number five, Paranormal Activity. Now I also changed it again in the script, apparently, to Ari Aster's Playground. <laughs> Ari Aster, what a legend. What a fantastic director with a amazing visionary mind in creating supernatural horror movies and while midsummer isn't supernatural it's more cult like um there are some supernatural elements to it uh hereditary is a pure blood supernatural movie and i think it's safe to say it's probably the best supernatural horror movie to come out i think in our lifetime so far yeah, I mean, it's a bold claim, but also looking at all these other movies, yeah, I, I would agree. Yeah, it's, <laughs> I don't think a horror movie captivated enough people and got as much mainstream success as Hereditary. And if you like think like, oh, well, you know, you don't remember movies that came out previously, just look at how popular Midsummer was leading up to its release. People were so oh hyped about that movie just because of how good Hereditary was. I don't remember the last time that I was as hyped about a movie as Midsommar. Like, I don't think since then I have been. I remember watching that trailer like 10 times and being like, I, like this day is not coming quick enough. Like, the hype was freaking real. It was. It was really real. And the <laughs> fact that they only came out two years in between each other is insane. Hereditary came out in 2018 and Midsummer 2020. Um, obviously, two. I think it was 2019, too. I mean, I think it was 2019. So I think it was only one year apart. Was it 2019? I think so, yeah. It wasn't 2020 because 2020 oh, COVID. You're right. Oh, crap. <laughs> we lost 2020. Yeah, that wasn't I... a year. My mind's all over the place. Um, yeah, that's crazy. So one year apart. Yeah. And those are his only feature-length movies. Which is insane. Like, how hard was he working on these movies? He's like, all right, I'm going to come out with an absolute banger, and then I'm going to follow it up. And people aren't going to know what this movie is about, but they're going to know it's a banger. Yeah, I agree. And, yeah, I mean, Midsummer, I wouldn't say it, – it, like, it was so hard for me because I had all this hype. I think Hereditary is a near-perfect movie. Like, I would probably give it a 10 out of 10. Midsummer, I would say maybe, like, an 8, which isn't bad at all, but it's just, like, I had so much hype. Like, I, I, it was a, too much bias going into it. Yeah. But it, it's a good movie. Yeah. it it Like I said, it it's not – like, people thought it was going to be a banger, right? They didn't yeah. know, regardless of what the movie was about. And it fell into that trap of fans being so hyped up for something that it was never going to meet their expectations regardless. Right. Like Game of I Thrones. Agree. Game of Thrones. Anything <laughs> like that. You know, it, people are going to set some crazy level of like, oh, they're going to do something crazy. And Bran is going to not be the king of the world. And well, 
then you're like, oh, crap, Bran is the king of the world. Okay, well, this is really stupid. Um, but in terms of Rotten Tomato scores, they're not that far apart. Hereditary is at 89, and Midsummer's at 83, which I thought Hereditary would be higher, and I thought Midsummer would be a little bit lower. Mm-hmm. Um, Midsummer has a lot of interesting aspects that I really appreciated to it, like... The character development, Florence Pugh is amazing in this movie. Yeah, she really is. The cinematography is so nice because everything is so bright, which you'd never see in horror movies. Yeah, it's uh, <laughs> a movie that, like, if you're afraid of, like, it's 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 not, like, spooky, scary all the time. There's a lot of exposition and character development to it, which I really appreciate yeah. in Ari Aster's movies, um, which elevates it more than just being a horror movie, right? It's mm-hmm. uh, it's one of the greats for Hereditary, like he said. Um, now, in terms of box office numbers, Hereditary did uh, just over 80 million and Midsummer just un- uh, just under 50 million. And that might be the case of, like, the trailer wasn't too descriptive of what was going on. Um, mm-hmm. Did it come out in summertime? Or- summertime, right? It came out? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, so, yeah, I don't know. I'd be interested to see what the dynamics were of that, but I still love Midsummer. I think Midsummer is very, very close to being um, a 10 out of 10 for me. I think it does come mm-hmm. to an 8. I think 8's a very fair rating for it. Um, but if Hereditary didn't exist, I think people might elevate Midsummer higher. Yeah, I totally agree. Um, and then for what's coming for Ari Aster, only going up, his next movie, like we've talked about, Disappointment Boulevard. With Joaquin Phoenix, um, I think that also adds an extra point to his little universe here, just with all of the hype there. Agreed. Um, so that's Ari Aster's world. Uh, his playground, praise be Ari Aster, um, one of the, <laughs> the brightest filmmakers in the world. And it's going up against the Paranormal Activity franchise, which <laughs> is, this would be interesting. We can we can talk about this after our break, but I'm going to, I think I'm going to go hard for Paranormal Activity. <laughs> Oh no. Okay, let's take a sip of water, get a fresh breath of air in, inside here. Um, so let's take our final break and then Max is gonna go hard for paranormal activity. Okay, you have the floor. Alrighty, the paranormal activity <laughs> franchise. Six franchise entries, one lovely line of continuity. <laughs> Uh, the first one came out in 2007, the, last, the latest one in 2015, and there's a new one coming next year on everybody's new favorite streaming service, Paramount+. Plus. I just learned there's AMC+, Plus too. Did you know that? Oh, yeah, I think so. I don't use it or anything, though. <laughs> Me either. Just add a plus to everything and put it online. There you go. Yep. Um, the highest Rotten Tomato score is the first one, obviously, at 83%, and the lowest is Ghost Dimension at 14%. Uh, in terms of box office numbers, it's generated $890 million worldwide, one of the most popular horror franchises of all time. And I will now begin my defense of the Paranormal TV <laughs> franchise against a generational movie like Hereditary. Okay. And here we go. I was so scared watching the first Paranormal Activity movie and the second one and the third one. I don't think a movie scared me more watching in theaters than Paranormal Activity. Um, yeah, I mean, the first one had a lot of hype around it. They marketed it so well. You remember, like, the previews and the trailers were, like, people were running out of the theater. Like, no <laughs> one can sit. And, like, at the time, I think I was in sixth grade, and I, or not sixth grade, ninth grade. And I was like, 
holy F, like I need to watch this movie. (laughs) I'm going to be like scared of something like no way. Um, And yeah, I mean, I like the first one and I like the second one and the third one. I think they're all quality films and they're just like entertaining. Even if they're not the best movies ever, they're super entertaining. And then as far as the fourth, fifth and sixth, for Mark One's Ghost Dimension. Like, I remember watching them in theaters, but I didn't really take anything away from them. Like, I wouldn't really put them on if I saw them streaming. Whereas, like, the third one, or even the first one, if I saw it on available somewhere, like, I was trying to find them, like, last month or something. I remember telling you and Noam, and I couldn't find them for free. So, it, they're strong ones, and they're not so strong ones, I think. Yeah. The final piece of my defense. Um... I've never been more scared in a movie theater watching those movies. And scene. I'll now begin my sequel <laughs> to my hit piece, The Defense of Paranormal Activity, <laughs> with its sequel. And here we go. The fourth, fifth, and sixth movies. Well, marked ones is okay. Four and six are objectively really, really, really bad movies. <laughs> They're so yeah. bad. Yeah, I really just remember it being like, not anything original, just like not interesting. I like left the theater just being like, well, I'm going to forget that ever happened. Yeah. The sixth one played with like an idea of a three dimensional camera and this whole ghost dimension aspect. And it was pushing the storyline on and on. Cause people got really invested in this universe that they were creating. Yeah. But the, it just didn't work. It was so corny. There's like a giant tentacle that like flies around in like night vision green. It's really bad. Now, I don't think I've been more like targeted by marketing, like you said, than <laughs> the first paranormal activity movie. It that's like grade A marketing, and yeah. the fact that it generated so much money with its very tiny budget and created this whole revival in the found footage, yeah, genre. Cannot be understated. And the second one is really cool. I like the whole prequel aspect to it of, of talking about Katie's sister and that scene where she's sitting in the kitchen and all the doors fly open and mm-hmm. all the pots and pans go flying everywhere. I was so scared. I, I can't understand. This, these movies scared the crap out of me in theaters. <laughs> I remember, honestly, the third one creeped me out a little bit in theaters. I remember, like, at the end, they're staying at, like, the the grandma's house or whatever, and then there's, like, all of these people oh, outside. Yeah. I remember, like, she turned on the light, and there's just all these faces, and, like, my heart stopped. Yeah, it's super scary. And it's – it. I would say no movie has built better tension in a horror – like, in theaters for me in terms of, like, supernatural horror than mm-hmm. the paranormal activity movies. That might be super cap. Anyone else can say something to me <laughs> in the comments or anything like that or the reviews. But like like you said, when when they come the light comes on in the they're like a shed or a backyard or something. Yeah. Yeah. It was like a shed or like a stable or something like that. Yeah. They do the same thing in the fourth one where it's like they're outside and a bunch of like creepy demonic people, I guess. I I don't know. They have, I don't remember. I don't know how they called them. Or like what? What like priests, pagans? Whatever, oh yeah, yeah. Whatever they, it was super, super creepy. And the scene at the end of the third one, where the 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 two kids are going upstairs with the the mom or the grandma, yeah. and the grandma just snaps 
their dad's neck like back i was like ah! it's like, just like covering my eyes peeping through and i was like this is so scary um it just i just can't uh give that movie credit or that franchise i guess the first three ones enough credit for yeah how they were able to make just a still camera recording people sleeping in a bed so scary yeah no i agree with you all right so hereditary advances yes <laughs> yes okay cool all right hereditary will meet <laughs> the exorcist in the next round <laughs> I was like waiting for like what? No, yeah, hereditary wins. There was no way in hell I was going to argue for um, the Paranormal Activity franchise over Hereditary and Midsummer. It just objectively, Hereditary and Midsummer are just way better movies. Um, now, who knows? Maybe the sequel on Paramount Plus will be good. Yeah, I'm gonna watch it. I mean, even if it's terrible, <laughs> yeah, exactly. I'm watching. Yeah, um, so that's a fun semifinal matchup, The Exorcist versus um, Ari Aster's Playground. Um, and then we head now to our next matchup, which is the number three seed, the Evil Dead franchise, taking on number six, The Conjuring Universe. Um, so obviously The Conjuring Universe has to do with um, superheroes taking on uh, a really big, bad guy named Thanos with a, <laughs> a gauntlet. <laughs> I mean, it's so right? funny. They call it the universe, The Conjuring Universe. I know. It kind of makes sense, though, because there are so many other movies that are, like, in the universe, but they're not The Conjuring 2, 3, whatever. Yeah. I, it's not to crap on any of those movies. Like, the Annabelle movies people really love. Um, the Nun is apparently really bad, and so is The Curse yeah. of La Llorona. Yeah, I watched both of them. They were not good. <laughs> so, I just... I really appreciate James Wan's effort of creating a universe around his his Conjuring world, but... I'm just gonna I'm gonna make fun of it because it's called the Conjuring Universe. <laughs> um, but before that, Evil Dead, uh, four franchise entries plus a TV show that came out on Stars uh, in mm-hmm. 2015. The original came out in 1981, and there's a new film in development, uh, which is really interesting, called Evil Dead Rise. Really excited for that one. I believe it's one line of continuity. Like two is very much like a half of a retelling. Yeah. Of one. Um, the remake, the Fetty Alvarez remake. I believe also takes place in the same universe because at the end of it, Ash shows up and he's like groovy. And I'm like, Holy shit. It's Bruce Campbell (laughs) (laughs) because they were going to tie in Mia and Ash into some story taking on the forces of the Necronomicon, I guess, Mm -hmm. which cool. I'm down. (laughs) Um, Jane Levy and Bruce Campbell teaming up to fight some demons. Why the hell? I'd watch it. Yeah. Same. Um, in terms of Rotten Tomato scores, Evil Dead 1 and 2 are tied at 95%. That's pretty good, especially because the first two are so different. Yeah, very different. Very different in tone, very different in yeah. um, just overall uh, gore like, and comedic aspects and stuff like that. Yeah, the second one, I feel like the first one was taking itself very seriously. And then the second one is just like, all right, this is straight horror comedy, and which I appreciate. But it's just like completely too, I feel like people would either love the first or love the second one. Or especially with critics too, not hardcore horror fans. I feel like they might side with one or the other. So that's interesting. Yeah. And then the third one, when you know, they went to medieval times for whatever reason. Um, and Ash had a shotgun. In during King Arthur's time, whatever, <laughs> do whatever you want to do. I'm down. It works. Um, 
terms of lowest, the reboot is actually the lowest at 63%, which is a bit sad for me. Yeah, it's crazy because I feel like it didn't get good reviews. And I feel like the general consensus is that it's not a good movie. Whereas you and I love it. I know other people who love it. Like, we're not crazy. It's a good movie. Yeah, it's it's objectively one of the best horror remakes, reboots that I've that yeah. we've seen. Yeah, I love this movie. I remember seeing it in theaters, thinking it was awesome, buying the DVD and watching it just too many times. Like, so, so good. So, I don't know. I'm all for this movie. Yeah, and what's also fun is that, like, <laughs> haven't, haven't not seen Evil Dead until I was older and have already yeah. watched, like, uh, Spider-Man and Drag Me to Hell. Sam Raimi's uh, directing style and the shots that he does, it's its so prevalent in Evil Dead that you can see how they crossed over into uh, Spider-Man 2, specifically with the Doc Ock scene where he's in the hospital. Um, super horror vibes for a movie with Tobey Maguire <laughs> parading around New York City as a spider. Um, and Drag Me to Hell is, again, super campy, talking goats for whatever reason. Uh-huh. Justin Long, um, you know, when he's not dodging dodgeballs from Ben Stiller. <laughs> I don't know. Um, yeah, 63%. And I put a frowny face because that's sad. Um, yeah, it is. Box office numbers, uh, it's estimated about $154 million. So kind of low. Maybe if Evil Dead Rise is really popular, those numbers will get shot up. Um, mm-hmm. But it's taking on the Conjuring universe, which has seven franchise entries, and there are three more planned right now in development. So First one came out in 2013, a landmark horror movie. Uh, I think we could say confidently. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, and then the last one, which is The Curse of La Llorona, that came out in 2019. Conjuring 1 is at an 86%, which is lower than I thought it would be at. I thought it would be at least 90. Uh, mm-hmm. And The Nun's at 24%. And for box office fans, this one has generated $1.92 billion, with a B, dollars worldwide, making it the second highest grossing horror franchise of all time. Behind Godzilla, <laughs> and Godzilla might add a little space to it now because Godzilla versus Kong is now on HBO. Yeah, and it did. A, yeah, it made a lot of money too, so, so far. Which, yeah, you under, you would suspect it. Um, yeah, these are money making movies. It's insane. Is the Annabelle movies are those part of it too? Yeah. So you have like, Conjure, yeah, right. One, two, Annabelle, Annabelle creation, Annabelle comes home, <laughs> the nun. The Curse of La Llorona. And, and then all of the ones coming out. Yeah, there's The Conjuring the Devil Made Me Do It, which is a hell of a title. Terrible. Uh, uh, you have a Nun sequel, which I don't know how that movie got a sequel greenlit. Uh, yeah. And then another movie that I couldn't be bothered to put down in the script, to be completely honest with you people <laughs> out there. Um, it's a lot of duds, but a lot of great movies in this franchise. Yeah, I agree. I think the first Conjuring movie... so. I had a lot of hype with or hope with the first one because I remember they marketed it as it's rated R only for being scary. Nothing else, no language, no nudity, you know, typical things that are in horror movies. No, this is only for frightening sequences or whatever the practical term is. Um, And I was freaking hyped. I saw this movie on the night before my birthday. This was such like an experience for me (laughs) in the theater made my friends go with me that don't like horror movies. Um, and I thought it was, I thought it was good, but I thought it was going to be a lot more scary. And I just kind of hyped myself up there. So that was on me, but 
watching it again, like a couple years later without that like veil of like, this is supposed to be the scariest movie ever. Um, it's a really good movie. It's a quality movie. Um, great acting. Ed and Lorraine Warren, like we've talked about this movie before on the podcast, like just iconic real life people. Um, and I, I love that their story is told in this way and that it's like so mainstream that it's making so much money off of just like really interesting people. Yeah. And again, Patrick, Patrick Wilson's name comes up. Uh, fantastic playing Ed and Vera Farmiga. Yeah. Is, is awesome as Lorraine. And I think if not for their two performances, plus how good the first one was, I don't think we get this crazy universe. They, they're a testament to why this franchise became so popular. Yeah, a hundred percent. Um, because I didn't love the second one. I thought it was a little boring, like kind of same with the insidious movies where it kind of just got like dull for me. Um, I'm excited for the new one and it's going to be on HBO Max. So even more excited there. Um, so yeah, like it, it, I don't know. I'm excited to see what the next one is. As for Annabelle, I honestly liked the first Annabelle and then the second one and third one were garbage. And then the nun, terrible. La Llorona, pretty terrible. Yeah. I, <laughs> there, first of all, there's a doll in Annabelle. You already know me. I hate Chucky. Yeah. Not doing Annabelle. No chance in hell. Uh, and then the nun. What this God. is? This is the one, two. We had two Conjuring movies. We had two Annabelle movies, and then we got the Nun. So the fifth fran- fifth entry in the franchise wasn't getting me to go see it in theaters. Just was not interested. I saw it in theaters. It was just uh, so bad. It was so bad that when La Llorona came out, I was like, "There's no way in hell I'm seeing this in theaters," and I I didn't. My condolences. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I just I don't know. If I'm not super invested, if you're not super invested in the Conjuring movies, you're not going to enjoy Annabelle, The Nun, or The Curse of La Llorona. But totally. I'd be interested to find out there's people out there who have, like like the Annabelle movies more than the Conjuring movies, and then we can talk to them about why they've made the decisions they have in life. <laughs> Battle it out. Yeah. Um, I like the first Annabelle, but the first Conjuring was better. Agreed. It's the best in the series. Uh, yeah. By far. And I wonder if James Wan and like Godzilla now have like a rivalry going on. Like, every time Godzilla comes out of the new movie, James Wan's like, all right, I need to think of 10 new Conjuring Universe movies. I know. It's funny that they're new. Both of the new movies are coming out this year. Like yeah. one just came out and then it's funny. We'll see what happens because uh, Devil Made Me Do It comes out on June 4th. We'll probably do a review on it. Uh, and- yeah. The the Nun film is TBA. It's in development. The Nun didn't do really well. Like objectively, people people crapped on it. Um, so interesting to see why a sequel to it was greenlit. And then yeah. the Crooked Man is the other film that's in development right now. Interesting. Yeah. Who knows? I have no thoughts about it. Yeah, me either. Just, <laughs> I can't be bothered to be that invested in the Conjuring universe, unfortunately. <laughs> I watch way too much Marvel and anime to really consider what's going on in, in the Conjuring world. Um, but you got to give it its got to give it its props. Uh, One point yeah. nine two billion is insane. Yeah, that makes no sense, but also it makes all the sense. Agreed. Now, I gonna push really hard here for Evil Dead. The first two movies are amazing. 
Army of Darkness is a guilty pleasure, and the reboot. I love. I love that movie. Um, yeah, I was going to say Evil Dead too. I've never got into the show. I only watched a little bit of it and then I kind of, I just honestly didn't give it my all type of thing. Um, but you have to respect just how much has come out of the franchise and that people are still like, you know, so like the show's over now, but like people are still so invested in the story and like Ash is just iconic. When I was in middle school, I believe, I went to Canada with my parents just on vacation and we saw the Evil Dead musical. I don't know why they picked it, but it was like the funniest thing ever. And like, it's just such a great memory that I have that, yeah, I think Evil Dead, Evil Dead is more iconic than The Conjuring that has like one or two good movies. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to need all the information about that Evil Dead musical <laughs> recording the podcast. Um, <laughs> Yeah, Ash is is up there as being one of the most popular protagonists in the genre uh, by far. Numerous amounts of video games, which I know you don't care about. Um, <laughs> no, not... I mean, but it's still like, cultural like importance. No, I know. The games are just really bad, too. They're not amazing, no. um, <laughs> which sucks. But the show, I also gave it like two or three episodes, and I couldn't get hooked to it. Um, yeah. I need, uh, I need the the real horror aspect that Fetty Alvarez did in the reboot to be in this Evil Dead Rise uh, sequel because he's a he's a wonderful director. Yeah, I agree. I'm excited to see how the next one turns out. Yeah. All right. So our third seed Evil Dead advances to take on our final matchup of the day, um, which is the number two seed Final Destination taking on number seven, The Shining and Doctor Sleep, which is Stephen King. Um, so, Final Destination, five franchise entries. Uh, the first one came out in 2000. The latest one came out in 2011. A sixth one is being planned for next year, which is great. Um, there's one line of continuity. All the same thing happens in those movies. Uh, yeah. The highest one is a surprise. It's not the first one. It's the fifth one at 62%. And I couldn't even like tell you what happens in the fifth one. Like, it's yeah. just like they all mesh together by the end. Like, I think, yeah, the first three, I, I really like. And then the fourth, the final destination. And then the fifth, it's like, I don't really remember. They weren't memorable. Don't worry. I'm here to help. Oh, <laughs> man. I'm just so sad talking about these movies because I know there's no <laughs> chance in hell it's beating The Shining or Dr. Sleep. Um, the lowest one is. The Final Destination, which is a terrible name for a movie if you're going to make a sequel to it. Yeah. I remember watching it in theaters and being like, wait, what? Like, this is the last one? And then they were like, nope. Yeah, nope. There's That's not The Final Destination. That was just The Final Destination. Okay. I hate I hate that movie title. Um, 263 terrible. million worldwide. And the whole supernatural premise of The Final Destination. And it could have gone in slashers. We had this conversation. Because um, it is really death. The person. Yeah. Haunting but these, it, these kids. Yeah. It's it's weird. It's like it's not like a slasher like a Michael Myers though. So I think we picked the picked the right decision here. Yeah. Um <laughs> everyone knows how these movies go. There's a mass casualty accident in the beginning. Some kid is like, Whoa, that was a crazy dream. And it's like, hold on a second. That's actually gonna happen. Let me get all my friends off this plane highway roller coaster nascar side seating 
and uh, what's the last uh, bridge? Mm-hmm. Um, and then one by one, these kids die in very gory ways. Uh, now, I crap on the Saw franchise, a bit of a hypocrite because Father's Nation deaths are amazing and they're very gory. Um, but there is a fine line between torture porn and gore. Uh, yeah. The first one, very popular. The second one, my favorite, um, very popular, unique, a new way to tell the story. Obviously, death kills an order of the people who died on the plane in the first one. And in the second one, it goes in reverse order. And if you like, why is the second one your favorite? It's like, well, anytime you drive on a highway, and Natalie sent this mm-hmm. meme in our group chat like last week, you see that truck with those giant tree logs, and you're like, <laughs> oh, I got to get off the highway. <laughs> Yeah, I agree. I mean, yeah, I love these movies, but they definitely made me unnecessarily paranoid of random things, which speaks to, you know, they're effective. Say what you will about them, but they did the job in making me scared of real life. Yeah, like (laughs) paranormal activity scared the crap out of me that like I had to have the lights on, but Final Destination made me afraid of kitchen knives and taking a shower. (laughs) Which is like really impressive, <laughs> really, really impressive. Um, now, the third one is fun. Mary Elizabeth Winstead's in it. Uh, she's amazing. Um, yeah, I like this one. But it gets kind of stale. You know, it's the same thing. Kids dying all over the place um, in very gory ways. The fourth one is awful. I hate that movie. The fifth one is fun because twist spoiler. It came out ten years ago now. Unfortunately. Mm-hmm. It's a prequel. And that's the spoiler, I guess. <laughs> yeah, I like really can't like none of the scenes stick out to me in the fifth one and I don't know why. Yeah, there's the laser eye surgery. Um some yeah, she died. Well, she doesn't die to the laser eye surgery. She's getting laser eye surgery. The laser cuts her cornea and then This she, is a 3D one. <laughs> yeah, the last okay. two are both 3D. Um, oh, okay. The laser cuts her eye. She falls backwards out of a window and hits a car and dies. Um, or she doesn't get hit by a car. She lands on her car and dies. So the fall mm. the fall kills her. Um, I think it does have my favorite death, though, in the entire franchise uh, with uh, the gymnast. She's swinging on uneven bars and she f- gets like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. blasted with like, uh, what do they call it? Chalk. Chalk, uh, yeah, yeah. And she's just contorted and mangled in some kind of disgusting way that whoever came up with that, A plus for you, buddy. <laughs> that was awesome. <laughs> um, yeah, I do remember that. But it's the same thing every time with these movies. There's no character development. There's no story being pushed along here. We're not finding mm-hmm. out if Death got pissed off along the way somewhere and what really upset him and what his motives are. It's just Death's design, I say with, with air quotes. Um <laughs> Taking on one of my favorite horror movies of all time, one of my favorite movies of all time, uh, which is The Shining and Dr. Sleep. I haven't seen Dr. Sleep yet, so I'll let you handle that part. But The Shining is iconic as a book, as a movie. Mm-hmm. Um, I like would argue it's like one of the most like, talked about and discussed movie when, movies when it comes to conspiracy theories and like <laughs> faking the moon landing and stuff like that. Um, and fun fact I learned the other day, uh, they shot scenes from dumb and dumber in that hotel. Oh my God. That's hilarious. Couldn't be like a more like polar opposite movie. <laughs> I know. Right. Um, I don't know. 
if you remember the scene of the last time you saw Dumb and Dumber, but when he's in the bar and he's like, we landed on the moon. <laughs> wow. <laughs> That's apparently in the same bar uh, or the same hotel. That's uh, hilarious. As the overlook, which is amazing. Um, yeah. The Shining tells a story of a man named Jack Torrance and his family as he slowly goes mad in a hotel. And obviously the supernatural aspect to it is the haunted hotel. Um, what's driving him mad. It's mm-hmm. a movie I was lucky enough to see in theaters in a special screening before COVID happened last year. Um, just an all-time great. Yeah, it's it's my favorite horror movie. It's one of my favorite movies ever. It's it's just amazing. And Stanley Kubrick, I mean, you're one of the greatest directors ever. Obviously, that goes without saying. Um, it it's just such such a great movie. Jack Nicholson. I mean, it's so original, and that's thanks to you know Stephen King, and then also Stanley Kubrick. Um, this movie, I, I like, it's like, there's nothing to say that can really encapsulate how great it is, in my opinion. Just, you have to watch it and experience it for yourself. Just amazing. And then when it comes to Dr. Sleep, I didn't really know anything about it because I didn't read the book. So when I watched it, I kind of had the expectations that it wasn't going to be good because I love the original. So I love the first one so much that I was kind of like, why are they making this so many years later? Like, we don't need this type of thing. Don't ruin a, like, a good thing. But Doctor Sleep is pr- a pretty good movie. Um, it's, of course, nowhere near the, the first one, but it's pretty good. I think it's worth the watch. It's entertaining. Ewan McGregor stars in it, who I love, and he plays an adult Danny Torrance, who is the kid in The Shining. So it's super interesting, and it has a very different vibe than the original and that speaks to the fact that mike flanagan directed this one stanley kubrick directed the shining very very different styles um so if you go into it thinking it's going to be the same thing as the shining it absolutely is not but it's a solid movie i like this movie and i feel like it wasn't marketed that well yeah like i don't think there was too much hype surrounding it and i remember seeing a commercial for it like once yeah, it definitely got caught up in like the Stephen King hype that was generated when it came out in 2017. Yeah. And if you're not a hardcore Stephen King fan or a hardcore Shining fan, uh, you're not going to pick up Dr. Sleep, I feel like. Yeah. Um, you know, only like the OG properties oh. of Stephen King. And when I say OG, I mean like the first ones, like the famous ones. You have It, The Shining, uh, Pet Cemetery. Mm-hmm. Know, um, those are names that will draw people to theaters. Uh, I've heard really good things about it. I'm personally waiting for my girlfriend to read the book so I can watch the movie. So I don't know when I'll be able to see the movie. Or maybe I'll just watch <laughs> it and never tell her, and hopefully she'll listen to this episode and she doesn't hear that. Uh, <laughs> um, yeah, I need to watch it because I love you and McGregor. Yeah, and I've heard he's great. He's really good. Yeah, he's great. I think, too, the way that they marketed the movie, they didn't really make it explicit that this was you know, a sequel to The Shining. Of course, it was, it's a book, Dr. Sleep. So people, you know, are familiar with popular books, they might know it, but that might not be the general um, audience of moviegoers. So I think, I don't know if it was on purpose to market it that way, but I think they kind of missed the mark with the marketing there. Yeah, uh, I'll need to check it out. But in terms of Rotten Tomato scores, 84% for The Shining, uh, 78% for Dr. Sleep. 
And then in terms of box office numbers, The Shine did $47 million. Obviously, this was years ago in the 80s. Um, and Doctor Sleep did $72.3 million. Now, I will not do anybody the disservice of having to listen to me try to justify Fonda's <laughs> Nation over The Shining or Doctor Sleep. So The Shining will advance. We are in agreement. Yes. Alrighty. So let's get into our semifinal matchups real quick. Uh, we obviously brought yeah. everything down. No need to go into everything again. Uh, the Exorcist versus Ari Asterworld. <laughs> for, for us, like, okay, Exorcist, one of the all-time greats. Um, there's, for us, though, again, it's our bracket. We have this, we have yeah. this. I have yes. this epiphany. Okay. <laughs> I had this epiphany last episode when Natalie was like, it's our bracket. We can do what we want. And my mind yeah. was like, whoa. <laughs> Yeah, we're not like critics right now being like, what is the best possible, like yeah. <laughs> figuring out the best possible outcome right now, like Doctor, Doctor Strange. I was going to say Doctor Sleep. Doctor Strange. <laughs> There's only one way we win in this world. I'm like, okay. Yeah. I'm going to stand here and hold this water, and then I will hold up a finger to you, Robert Downey Jr. You will figure out how to, how to save the world. Um, so yeah, Ari Aster. Yeah. It's just the movies that are popular during our lifetime. Just. Yeah, amazing uh, connection that people in our generation have to these movies, um, which is awesome. So, in our final, it'll be Ari Aster World versus the winner of Evil Dead versus Shining. Sleep, Shining, Sleep, Sleep, Shining. Yeah, this is tough. Yeah, I honestly might just go with like now looking at it from a franchise perspective. Like Evil Dead as a franchise is much bigger than The Shining as a franchise. I'm sure a lot of people don't even know that Dr. Sleep exists. Um, I know we are taking into account our personal favorites, and The Shining is my favorite horror movie. Yeah. But if we're talking franchises, I might have to say Evil Dead. There's just more substance to it, too, in terms of quantity. Yeah, Shining's in my top three. Evil Dead... I wouldn't put the reboot in my top three, but it's up there. Like I love that movie. Um, and then the whole reason why the cabin in the woods really exists is because of evil dead. And I cabin in the woods is probably my top three. Um, but man, knocking out the shining to Ash Williams with his boomstick. I might have to. Yeah, I think we have to. I wouldn't I mean, be mad about it. Yeah. I don't think Jack Torrance can fight off a guy with a chainsaw for an arm. <laughs> if, if that's our deciding factor, I think it has to go to evil dead. Yeah, I think as a series, it's it's just really great. Yeah. Um, man, Sam Raimi versus Stanley Kubrick. What a matchup that would be. Um, <laughs> all righty. So the Evil Dead pulls off the upset over The Shining, even though The Shining is randomly lower seated than it. Um, and it'll be Ari Aster's Hereditary Midsummer against The Evil Dead. And for the sake of... Making, How did we get here? <laughs> I don't know. For the sake of the podcast, not lasting another 20 minutes to try to argue for one of my favorite franchises, I think it's it's Ari Aster's world. It's Hereditary. Hereditary has to be the winner of the bracket, I think. Yeah, I could honestly go either way. Don't give so me hope. Don't reasons. do that. Don't do that. I'm giving you <laughs> the win. There's so many reasons that I just don't want to have another 30-minute conversation right now. So... But I like. I'm not saying we should do Evil Dead. I agree. Ari Aster Playground, <laughs> Ari Aster's Wonderland, Willy's Wonderland. Um, I think that that makes total sense. You could argue for either one, um, but I'm happy with Mr. Ari Aster. Agreed. I think a, a worthy ca- a worthy winner. Um, it was either The Exorcist or Ari Aster, and 
I'm very happy with Ari Aster uh, being the, the the winner of the category. And now that you've said Willy's Wonderland, I can't stop <laughs> thinking of Gorilla Greetings. <laughs> uh, so thank you for that. I really appreciate you. Thank you. You're welcome. All right. So Ari Aster, what are we going to call it now? I mean, I guess we can just interchangeably call it different things. Well, I was about to say like Heretta Summer or something like that, but then I realized we just crapped on Insinister for like 10 minutes of this podcast. So mm-hmm. I don't think we should do that. Um, Captain Ari Aster of the, of the SS Supernatural. <laughs> Perfect. All right. Well, what a name. Anyway, yeah. Ari Aster, the director, the man himself is advancing yeah. to the next round. <laughs> Amazing. Um, all right. And that means we only have one more out left next week and that's monster franchises. I think, like I said in the beginning of the episode, Supernatural, I was the most excited about just in terms of there being so many different options and so many movies that I know you and I love so much. So the monster ones will be interesting. It'll be interesting to see what we classify as monsters, too, because I know there's going to be a lot of like gray area. For sure. Uh, and whoever wins that category, because it'll for sure be a big franchise, uh, a final four of Halloween, Walking Dead. Ari Aster and whatever monster movie wins, it's going to be a fun episode to break all that stuff down. Yeah, I completely agree. Um, So make sure if you're still listening to let us know what you thought of our final results here. Do you think that final destination, for example, should have won the whole thing? Um, What do you guys think? Did we miss out on any of your favorites? Please let us know. You can leave us a review on Apple podcasts and then you could also tweet at us. My Twitter is at Natalie Zamar with two A's at the end. And then Max is at Odd Slice. Thank you for listening and we'll see you next week. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.